0: titled it today is Undone to be Redone. And I had to be undone this week because God was redoing something in my heart. He was reestablishing that simple and pure devotion that Jimmy was just mentioning. And man, I'm so excited because it's a journey. It's a process that God takes us on. But I'm gonna dive into it before I get ahead of myself here. Um, I wanna just start by sharing a story with you guys. It's kind of more of a process that I went through. when I wrote the song Transformed, and if you don't know me very well, I love to write music. It's something that I do as a hobby at this point in my life, and um, as I was writing the song Transformed, it really came out of a season of my life that God began to produce something in my heart. There was a season where I went through, and it was during college, of man, I was experiencing pain. I was experiencing heaviness. There was things that was just going on that I didn't really understand at that point, and I trusted that the Lord had something in it. I trusted there's a process that he was working in my life, but I couldn't really see it in that moment. And so I just asked the Lord, I'm like, what are you doing? And he led me to 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. And this verse has stuck with me for the past four years because even though it was a three-year process that he really um, helped me understand what he was saying through this scripture, this verse has been central to my life. And so I wanna read this for you. in 2 Corinthians three, sixteen through 18, again, it says, nevertheless, When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I want to pause real quick because the veil that they're talking about is the veil that Moses used to wear over his face. They mention it in a few um, passages before this scripture. Moses had to wear a veil over his face because when he encountered God, when he left that place, his face was shining and was bright, and it terrified the Israelites. They're like, bro, you have to stay away from me because your face is shining and it's freaking me out. And so Moses would put a veil over his face so that he wouldn't scare the Israelites. And then we find in the New Testament that when Jesus died and he rose again, that the veil was torn in the Holy of Holies. And so they used to have this veil there so that people wouldn't die from the presence of God really. It was this thick veil that you, only the high priest would go behind at a certain time of year and he'd have to do all these purification things. But when Jesus came, he said, I'm tearing that veil so you can have an intimate relationship with me and step into that. And so the reason why this is significant to 2 Corinthians three is because when we read this verse, he says, but we all with unveiled face, there's no more face. Beholding as an emir, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. And I spent about three years just meditating on the scripture and it was just going through my heart and my spirit. And then one day we were at a youth retreat and we were leading worship. And as we were leading worship, we had sang Holy Spirit, the song like 20 times. I'm like, all right, Lord, what's next? (laughs) we're in this altar call, I'm like, what's next? Because I don't got anything planned, so whatever you want, um, just say it right now. And so out of that came this song, that says, you come and you touch us. You come and you change us. It's your presence, Jesus. It's your presence, Jesus. And we just began to declare this over these kids that were there. And I, I just, I felt the Lord begin to do something in my own heart. And when I walked off the stage, I had this melody going through me. And it was when your glory fills this house, at your feet I'll bow, because all I see is you. There was something in the beholding that God was getting in my heart during that. And it's powerful. And I think actually though, what I really wanna focus on this morning is what happened when I left that place. I left that place, I went to a practice room because I was a music major. So what we do is we practice a lot and they had rooms set aside for us. <laughs> and so I went to a practice room to go practice, but instead I encountered the Lord and it was awesome and great. But as I was there, <laughs> I, was, I sat down at the piano. I just began to write. And I had this phrase come into my head and it was, here I am undone, here I overcome. And it was significant because there's such a contrast in that statement. Because in the moment where I was undone, the Lord began to birth a victory there. And the moment that I was broken before him, I began to see the victory of Christ in my life. And it was cool because it's, that's the way the kingdom of God works. It's such a contrast. Sometimes you have to go to the place where you feel the weakest and the most broken to receive the victory that God wants to bring in your life. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. And man, it's so, it's so cool because we see this victory. We see this, this story in the book of Job. And it's so cool because, like, the book of Job, when I first read it, I was like, all right, this is cool. I don't really get what's going on here. It was a little confusing to me. And then I had to take psalms and wisdom literature, and we began to unpack the book of Job, and it began to have more revelation, so much so that it's since getting the revelation from that book, it's just stuck with me because every time I, like, reference my life, I come back to Job because this dude had a really tough year. And I asked the question this morning of, like, Would you guys feel like you've had a tough year? 2020 hasn't been what we've expected or anticipated. It's been a lot of hard stuff for a lot of people, lost jobs, fear, things going on that we're just like, I don't understand God. Like, what did I do to deserve 2020? Um, But we find this story in the book of Job and I wanna jump into it because there's a correlation here that I think that a lot of us can relate to. And so in Job, we set it up, they set up Job in verse one, in chapter one with this scenario between God and Satan and Satan becomes comes before the throne of God and God asks Satan so what have you been up to and he's just like oh I've been roaming the earth you know what I was cursed to do and they have this dialogue And, and God's like oh have you considered my servant Job there's none as faithful as he in all the earth he serves me well basically And Satan's like, of course he does. You've had your hand of favor and protection upon him. You've given him everything his heart could desire. Of course he worships you and serves you. You take that away and see what happens. And God's like, all right, all right, let's do it. But you can't take his life. And so this begins the journey that Job is on. Where he's in this scenario of experiencing death, he experienced loss. Everything that he owned, he was basically stripped from, and even so much so that he had um, boils and things on his skin. He had bodily afflictions, and yet his response is one that I think a lot of us experience in this life of asking God questions of like, "Why is this happening?" What is going on? And I, I do think that James kind of helps us with this as well, where it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. But man, this didn't take away the questions that Job had for the Lord. He was like, look, I have been faithful to you my whole life. I've done nothing wrong. Like, and here I am in infliction and in pain, and you've taken everything from me. What did I do? And Job's friends come around him and they're like, well, it's because you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. Oh, if only we did this. Sounds kind of familiar, I think, to what we experience right now. And Job and the Lord finally have this dialogue at the end and the Lord shows up and he speaks to Job and he says, I hear the questions you've been asking. And he goes on this dialogue about how almighty and powerful he is and how things are too wonderful for Job to even understand. Did you create the earth? Did you do these things? And this is the Lord's response to Job. And Job's finally like, man, I don't have an answer for that, God. I have no answer for you. And God comes back and he's like, no, you're gonna give me an answer. And it's really cool because you see Job's answer in verse 42. And man, this struck me as I was just preparing this week, I was weeping over this because it struck me. Job had the hardest life, harder than I think most of us have experienced. And this was his response to God in verse 42, one through six. He says, I know that you can do everything. This is him talking to God. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please let me speak. You said, God, I will question you and you shall answer me. And this is Job's response to that. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Come on, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor, I am ruined and repent in dust and ashes. The turning point for Job was when he saw the Lord. It wasn't because his circumstances got better. It wasn't because anything in his life made sense. It was because he saw the Lord that things changed for him. And it didn't matter that he didn't understand the why. He saw himself in the light of the Lord and had no other response in his heart but to repent in humility. The position of humility before God is important. And when most of us today, I think, would say that Job deserved to feel the way that he felt. Job's response wasn't that. It was humility before God saying, you know what? There is no one. No one like you. I don't even understand. But I know that I've seen you. And my only response in light of that is to repent before you. Guys, the revelation of God doesn't require our emotions to understand or to feel good about God or to get it. Job was experiencing the worst of the worst, but when he saw the Lord, everything changed. Our emotions, our thoughts, our lives get into alignment or they reveal who or what our God is when we are in the presence of the living God, Jesus Christ upon the throne. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was, I was really struck with the thought of like, you know, most of us would say we've never necessarily seen God. I'm not physically seeing him with my eyes. I didn't have necessarily the experience Job had where he saw the Lord, but we do see God through things in our lives. You can see God in his glory, but you've experienced him and you experienced his love, his majesty through creation, through small revelations, through the sacrifice Jesus made upon the cross. And in Habakkuk 2, 14, it says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And man, this is what we can respond to, that even if you haven't seen him necessarily with your eyes, you can see him through everything else. And in this lifetime, we understand God through what he has done for us In the one to come, we will simply understand him for who he is because we will behold him. I was talking with my friend Rebecca this week and I was just kind of telling her, you know, this is what's on my heart. This is what I want to share. And in our conversation, she's like, Joanna, like everything you just said, like what I see is we spend our lives seeking the Lord. But when we're before him, our completion comes when we've seen him. And we seek because in this life we get glimpses of him. We get glimpses of his glory, the things that spur us on to continue after until that moment where I just said, God, I just wanna see you. I just wanna be with you. I just wanna know you. I wanna experience you. And it's cool because we see this happen in Isaiah's life. Isaiah has a similar encounter to what Job had in a slightly different way. And I think it's cool because I think it's relatable. In Isaiah five, he sets it up with, Isaiah's running around, he's the prophet of the Lord, and he's saying, woe are you, woe are you, for their sins and for the things that were happening. He's saying, woe to you, woe to you. But in Isaiah six, we find a new storyline happening. And I think it's central because this is what happens when someone sees the Lord. Isaiah six, one through 10, it's a little longer, but I ask you guys, bear with me because it's, it's powerful. In the year that King Hosea died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell the people this. And he gives Isaiah his mission. But man, this is important because in in Isaiah 5, we see Isaiah running around saying, woe are they, woe are they. But he sees God and everything changes. And he says, woe is me. Come on, there was a posture of humility in Isaiah's heart again when he saw the Lord that said, I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I was doing pretty well, Lord. I thought I had my life together and you know I'm a fairly good person and I was speaking the word of the Lord and saying, woe is they. But here I am before you and all I can say is, woe is me. Woe is me. It's significant in reflecting on how God, seeing God changes us and our perspective when God's worth is foremost in our hearts. Because Isaiah had positioned himself in humility before the Lord, because he had gone to that place before God, he received his mission from God. When he saw the Lord, everything changed again. It didn't matter how good of a person he was. All that mattered was that he had seen God and his only response before him was God. What was me? I'm unclean. I need you. And I had a, for myself, I had a similar experience with God when I was younger. Um, It's fun because Jimmy told you about us growing up in the house of prayer, but my story started at a kid's camp. I had grew up in a Christian household and I had known about the Lord my whole life, but there was never that moment where I was like, oh, this is God, this is who he is. And I get him and I understand him. But when I was at this kid's camp, I remember looking around, around me and I saw these kids passionately worshiping Jesus. And I said, in my heart, I was like, I want what they have. I don't know what it is, but I want what they have. And from that moment on, it set me on this journey of seeking after God, of wanting to know the person that they had. And by the time I was age 14, I just began to spend hours and hours in the prayer room because I just wanted to know this one. I just wanted to know this God that these kids knew. And I might be a little bit of an intense 14 year old compared to some, but man, I just wanted to know Jesus. And it struck me, it struck me. And oh, so I remember I was sitting in the prayer room and this song came on it was a prophetic song by someone at the International House of Prayer. And the the words were, seer, what do you see? Open up your eyes, open up your eyes. And they said, seer, what do you see? Open up your eyes, open up your eyes. And then they they followed it with this chorus that said, even the permissible is not beneficial. Turn your eyes from looking at the worthless. Even the permissible is not beneficial. And it struck me. And I know that is the Holy Spirit that told me what's next because I promise you as a 14 year old kid, I was not asking the Lord for this or wanting this in my own life. But I heard the Lord say, I want you to go on a year fast from media. As a 14 year old kid, because at that point in my life, I was pretty much like, I love to play games. I love to watch TV. I love to do those things. The typical kid, all right? But I heard the Lord say, I want you to go on a year long fast from media. And I freaked out a little bit. I was like, a year long fast, Jesus? Are you sure about that? (laughs) Because I'm gonna miss out on things. People invite me to things through Facebook. I'm gonna miss out. I'm gonna miss what's happening in the world around me. I'm gonna miss the new movies that come out. I'm gonna miss these things. And I began to feel that sense of loss in my heart of everything I was losing. But man, when I said yes, when I said, okay, let's do it, there was a journey and by four months in, I didn't regret it at all. By four months in, everything I had lost no longer mattered because the thing that I had gained was Jesus Christ in my life. And I began to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. But guys, God required a position of humility. He required sacrifice. And I think sometimes we think that it's just gonna be easy, it's gonna be fun and the kingdom of God is just like that. And it is, don't get me wrong, it is. But there's sacrifice and there's humility required because when you walk into that with God, there's something that happens. And I'd love to say I just stayed there, you know. I didn't desire the media anymore. I didn't want any of that. But there, time happens. I mean, I'm the social media manager for Lifeway now, so it's a part of my life. <laughs> but there is something that that was established in my heart that God is first and everything else is second. And that's something I have to fight for. That's something that I have to go after every single day of my life, even this week. And I'll get into that in a little bit, (laughs) but man, there's just such a process of transformation that happens. And I think it's cool because with each story from Isaiah to Job, to what God did in my own heart, they had to be undone so that they could be redone. God didn't just leave Isaiah in a place of brokenness. He came in, he restored him and said, I have a purpose for you. Go out and do what I've told you to do. God didn't leave Job in his despair under the hand of Satan. He came in and he said, no, I'm going to restore you because you have been faithful and you were humble before me. I want to restore your life. Our God doesn't just undo us, just to keep us there. He said, I want you to be undone so that you can be redone. That when he gives us his mission, it's not just us going out and saying whatever comes to our head. It's us going out and saying the words of God for people. There really, there's really no other response in scripture to the glory of God than people falling on their face before him. <laughs> like every single story. This whole week I was just reading. It's funny because I was like, I thought I had my message on Tuesday and then Wednesday hit and I'm I'm in (laughs) noon prayer. And man, these guys just go after it. If you've never been to our morning or noon prayer, you have to come because it's just so powerful. And they just start praying and they're going after things. And the Lord just is like, I'm gonna rewrite your whole message. And I'm like, okay, here we go. and it was just fun though, because when you walk in the kingdom of God, when he undoes, has you in that place of being undone, there's a peace there. that even in my brokenness, I was still in this place of peace of like, God, I just, I'm so broken before you. And he was like, awesome, now I can use you. Yeah. And it's cool because it just takes humility. It takes humility. And we see that humility in the life of David. After Jesus, I think all the Bible characters that I know are, probably David is one of the ones I've aspired to be the most because as a worshiper, he was one that was known for being a man after God's own heart. And if that's the thing that you're known for, man, that's what I want to be known for. And it's cool because David lived a life in both secrecy, but then he was known But no matter what season of life he was in, he always came back to glorifying God, to giving him worth. And I think it was established here, you see his heart in Psalms 27, four. And I love it because the Psalm is titled An Exuberant Declaration of Faith. And this is David's declaration to the Lord. And he said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then in verse eight, he says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And it asks us this morning, is that our, our heart for God? And if it's not man, there's nothing greater in this life than seeking the face of God. I would tell you that Job's greatest moment with the Lord wasn't when everything got restored to him. His greatest moment with the Lord was when he saw the face of God. But even though it required repentance in his heart, there was something incredible. And I'd say the same for Isaiah. It wasn't all the awesome prophecies he got after that. It was when he saw the Lord because that's where our completion is. That's where our satisfaction, our fulfillment is. And it's cool because it's not like David was some superhero man. He he messed up. <laughs> it wasn't like he just went his whole life being perfect because man, that would be nice. But that's not the reality for most of us. And he had he had adultery. He sinned. Um, he murdered someone. Like these are sins that we'd probably be like, yeah, that's pretty bad, bro. <laughs> like that's not okay. Um, but I think the reason that he's known as a man after God's own heart is because of his response to that sin when he was there. And we find it in Psalms 51, 16 through 17. And it's his response to God and his guilt. And he says, you do not desire sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Man, humility is key. If we're gonna go on this journey of seeking after God, if we're gonna go on this journey of wanting to behold his face, then humility is key. And while some of us might say, I've never seen the face of God necessarily, I'm telling you that when you position yourself in that place of humility, that he will come and he will encounter you because it says the Lord draws near to the humble and he resists the proud. And when I told you that God was continuing that process in my life this week, man, what he did... (laughs) What he did was he broke me down and he said, look, you've been there before where I was the primary thing in your life. But over the past two years, really, it's kind of felt like you've had a lot of other things and affections that take your time and your affection and everything. And I just want you. I just want you. And the Lord just began to break me down. And that's why I was weeping this week because when he breaks you down, there's just this place of like, I have nothing, God. I have nothing but you. But he didn't leave me there. And man, if, this, if there's anything I can say this morning, is that he's not gonna leave you in that place of brokenness. He wants to call you up to a place where he can use you and partner with you. But humility and being undone before him is part of that partnership. In this last year, since I last spoke on everyday worship, something has remained true. Something has not changed, and it's this, that we would know God and be known by Him. The message is still the same. There's nothing greater than knowing God and being undone by the knowledge of Him. His very presence is transformative. It tears down wickedness and restores holiness. The worth of Jesus Christ, the worth of Jesus Christ reveals our hearts. We are undone to be redone, and we will spend our lives seeking the Lord just for those glimpses. Man, if I could tell you to dedicate your life to this one thing, it would be to seek the Lord for those glimpses. But guys, completion comes in the seeing. The transformation comes in the encounter and the mission comes in humility. I'm gonna say that again. But the completion comes in the seeing, the transformation comes in the encounter and the mission comes in humility. I say, what if our new normal is to encounter God every single day of our lives, to behold Him and be transformed by Him, to let everything else go and just want Him, to wait on the Lord, Man, that's where God brought me to this week is I just kept saying, God, I just want you. I don't care what I've said I want in the past. I don't care what I've said I want in my moments of weakness or when I'm in the flesh. What I want in this moment is I want you. And that, that happens. There's something that happens there when we respond to God in that and saying, I just want you. In my brokenness, God, in my humility, I want you. Come on, I go even further to say that some of you are waiting for God to provide you with your purpose and to make it clear what he has for you. But maybe he is waiting for you to stand in his presence, to be undone by his glory, and to put your life in perspective so that when you're redone and he gives you your mission, you're equipped with his message, not your own. I love that, our new tagline here is you were made for more. Because even as I was in that office in between services, I was like, God, is there more? He's like, my more never stops. There's always more. There's always more. He never stops. The revelation of Jesus Christ never becomes old. It just gets newer and better and better and better. And the more you're surrendered to it and changed by it, the more you experience that in your life. And it's powerful and it's awesome. And so maybe for you guys, the action step is simply to sign up for CORE our discipleship program where you get to do exactly what I said and stand in the presence of God to be in those prayer rooms and be transformed that even in your brokenness and your weakness, I'm not telling you it's fun because there's definitely days I went to those prayer rooms after school as a kid and fell asleep because I was tired and I was weak. I'm just being honest. But sometimes it's just showing up and saying, God, I want to encounter you. I want to meet with you that that's where he begins to work and do something. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. We're just gonna take a moment to wait on the Lord. Guys, there's not an ounce of significance in our own merit. John wrote that apart from the vine, he's nothing. And that vine is Jesus Christ. And Isaiah had that revelation. He saw the king upon the throne and realized his own insignificance and guilt in the midst of God's presence. But this is the God that we serve, that he turns around and he clears Isaiah's guilt. He restores Isaiah to the purpose and mission he had for him. He restores Job in the midst of complete loss and encounters him in a way that wrecks him to restore him. This is Jesus, this is our God. That we have to be undone to be redone to have our moment when we say, my eyes have seen the Lord. To have our moment when we say, my eyes have seen the Lord. And there might be some of you this morning that are saying, I don't even know this God you're talking about. I might've heard about this Jesus. I might've heard something about how some man came, but I'm here to tell you the good news this morning that Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And because of his death, we were justified before God. When we deserve death, he came and he said, I'm gonna take that for you. I'm gonna be that sacrifice so that you can step in and know this God, that you can have those glimpses, that you can have this relationship with me because this is what he desires. He desires to know you. He desires to know you and he wants you to know him. And guys, it's awesome because it's simple. All you have to do is say, yes, Jesus. You're a Lord of my life. You're all I want. You're all I desire. So with every head bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to take a moment If that's you this morning and you're the young Joanna who's saying, I see what they have and I want it. I see the passion in their hearts and I want it and I want to know this God and I've not known him in a real way, but I want to begin to know him. If that's just you this morning, you're saying, Jesus, I want to know who you are. I want to make you Lord in my life. I'm gonna, All I'm going to ask is that you raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer. And it's going to be powerful. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to raise your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. I invite you into my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life. I ask that you would take control. I ask that you would come and fill me with your Spirit. I want to be used by you, God. I want to know the one upon the throne. I want to seek your face till the day I die. You alone are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that this morning. Jesus. I believe that for some of us this morning, you're at that place I was this week where you're just saying, I need to just, I need to recommit. I need to recommit to seeking after the face of God. I need to recommit to this one thing, this one thing I desire, that one thing will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold His beauty, to be transformed by that beauty and go from glory to glory. And it's, it's fun because it, It's fun because we get to partner with Him. And so if that's you this morning, I'm gonna have us pray another prayer, all right? Let's close our eyes and pray this after me. Just say, dear Jesus, I commit my life to you. I commit to seeking after you all the days of my life. I put you in the first place. I want nothing else but you. Would you have my heart? Would you have my soul? Would you have my devotion that you would be the one thing? We love you, we want you Jesus, amen.